Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, and if you can afford it at this time, you can become a Major Spoilers member by signing up at patreon.com slash major spoilers. The Major Spoilers Podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. I'm Rodrigo. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers Podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, in the year 2064, the apocalypse has arrived and the four horsemen are on the move. But they're not all on the same side. Plus, we dig into the news of the week, review a slate of comics, TV, and more baked into a golden brown crust and filled with flaky major spoilers goodness. It's like a hostess ad without all that weird subtext. So pop the top and toss the stump and don't forget your puffy shirt because the Major Spoilers podcast is east of west and it's on the air. Welcome to issue 888 of the Major Spoilers podcast. Thank you so much for downloading and checking us out this week. If you want to hear about 30 minutes of uh, old men yelling at clouds, be sure to check out the pre-show this week uh, as we talk about uh, what's going on with our kids and school and all those fun things. Also, a little bit of uh, of Brainiac 5 and Brainiac uh, uh, casting. Yes, that and a whole lot more over at the Major Spoilers pre-show that you can find over at Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Now, let's do some news. Oh, me first. Uh, if you weren't wondering if uh, season four of Stranger Things would be the last, here's some god good news. It's not. Uh, Matt and Russ Duffer, uh, <laughs> it isn't. Uh, okay. They uh, they told the Hollywood Reporter that you can expect more seasons to hit Netflix in the future. In their interview, they said season four won't be the end. We know what the end is. We know when it is. The pandemic has given us time to look ahead. I figure uh, time to look ahead. Figure out what is best for the show. Uh, starting to fill. Uh, starting to fill that out gave us a better idea of how long we need to tell that story. I feel like we've heard that before from other creators, but I'm inclined <laughs> to believe them. Uh, on the downside, because of COVID-19 production, uh, season four did shut down, and it hasn't, as far as I know, started up again. Yeah, it's really um, it's really interesting. The, the nice thing about that is that um, because of the pandemic, what they're talking about in the Hollywood Reporter article is saying, hey, we were, instead of working like four episodes ahead of our shooting schedule, we actually have all the scripts for season four written. It gave us a chance to look at the big picture and go in and fine tune things and tweak things. So that's not like weird story arcs suddenly appear and disappear. Like maybe right. that has happened in the past. The bad thing is they did have to shut down production before. I think they only had one or two episodes shot. So for everyone who was hoping for a Thanksgiving 2020 release of uh, stranger things, I don't think that that's going to happen. But um, for those of you that are Stranger Things fans, that seems pretty good. If they're going to have you know season six, seven, and eight, maybe they'll do the entire eighties uh, in that show. They're going to have to de-age them like they did with the kids from yes. it, yes. which incidentally share at least one kid. Yep. 
Well, I am here with sad news time because whether it is connected to the recent layoffs, DC Comics has a number of series coming to an end in November, right before the end of the year. Imagine that. The publisher confirmed the cancellation of Teen Titans, Young Justice, My Poor Heart, Suicide Squad, Hot Man, and John Constantine Hellblazer. I think I said Hot Man. I'm going to stick with that. With the November <laughs> solicitations that can be found at Majorspoilers.com because where else would you go? These titles are in addition to Batgirl, Batman, and the Outsiders, Justice League Odyssey, and the ending to Metal Men and Batman's Grave. As DC restructures, be on the lookout for other low-performing titles to land on the chopping block. And it looks to, as it looks to cut 25% of its publishing line. And if you remember last week's episode, uh, Stephen and I had wild theories about what might stick around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What's interesting to me is I keep seeing people uh, on the entire web saying this is just like the DC implosion of 78. And the thing that we have to keep in mind is it's not uh, because they what? <laughs> the end of the Metal Men and the end of Batman's Grave. They are letting these creators at least do some sort of wrap up the DC well, implosion with, in, in the case in 78. Of, in case of Metal Men and Batman's Grave, those were series that were scheduled to come to the end. Uh, a lot of those, a lot of those other ones, Teen Titans, Young Justice, Suicide Squad. I don't know if they're, if they have enough to get that wrapped up. Um, those were ones that they probably had a little bit of notice, but they may have an awkward ending compared to what we've seen in other, other stories. Bendis had indicated he had a heads up on the end of Young Justice. Ah, So it wasn't exactly like, remember in 78, there were literally multiple issues of books that were prepped and drawn. And in some cases, completed and ready to ship that were just chopped and those books later came out in different formats as back issues and of course if you've ever seen canceled comics cavalcade they were printed there for copyright purposes so at the very least there seems to be some some headway some lead up to this for at least some of these creators yeah there was an article in the hollywood reporter uh, with jim lee talking about them looking at cutting up to 25 percent of its publishing line. So beyond that, and that list right there is not even close to 25%. So yeah, how will like these, how will these layoffs of DC and Warner brothers affect this weekend's DC fandom? Oh, we don't know, but there will be over 20 <laughs> hours of streaming video content hitting your web browser on August 22nd. When the virtual convention kicks off, Jim Lee is scheduled to host a panel and news regarding wonder woman, 1984 and the new Batman movies, as well as the upcoming suicide squad game are already planned you want to check out the events make sure you sign up at dc fandom don't wait until the day because the servers may be overloaded you may not be able to get in i think the weird thing on this though if you look at the schedule uh some of the highlights that i've posted over at majorspoilers.com most of these panels last 25 minutes and so i'm going to bet a lot of these are pre-recorded there are some that say mm-hmm. fan interactions like apparently dwayne uh johnson is uh supposed to be doing something with uh, the shazam black adam stuff that they said uh fan interactions <laughs> But even that is 25 minutes. So I don't really see how you can get a lot of information out and then take uh, questions from your fans in that short amount of time. But we'll find out this weekend. And for those of us nerds who uh, live in the intersection between the circle that says Star Trek and the circle that says comic books, IDW Publishing has announced a new Star Trek miniseries comic book featuring Seven of Nine, Tertiary Adjunct of Unimatrix, Zero One, Beep Boop, Beep Boop. Uh, Seven's Reckoning is a four-issue miniseries from Dave Baker and Angel Hernandez that shows Seven of Nine ensnared in an ancient conflict with aliens from the Delta Quadrant. We should be seeing the first issue of that in November of this year. Yeah, I think this is really interesting. We're starting to see uh, CBS uh, through all of its places really 
launch a lot of Star Trek stuff. We have Lower Decks is now out. We've got um, that new series. The um, that's that's what is it? N- not the new series. The new season uh, coming out whenever that comes out. Uh, so it, it looks it like starts the week after Discovery, I believe, in oh, okay. October. Or okay. I'm sorry, the week after uh, Lower Decks. Yeah. So I think this is a kind of a big deal for people that are into Star Trek. At, at one point, there was very little Star Trek. IDW was doing some Star Trek comics, but now they're starting to explode with stuff. And, and Ashley, I think Voyager is one of your one of your fave raves, isn't it? No, it's oh. not. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's uh, I would put it uh, maybe toward the bottom of my list. But the thing about Voyager is Voyager has uh, some really fabulous characters in it um, that I would argue uh, don't get paid off very well. But Seven is maybe one of the most interesting characters. There's a reason they brought her back for Picard. I wouldn't be surprised if she winds up getting her own show the way that Pike is getting a show that's not called Strange Adventures. But all I can think is that it's called Strange Adventures because of Tom and Mitch uh, and Evan, of course. But this is a series that I'm really looking forward to because I think something that the comics do really well, and it's because they can't play too much with continuity, right, is they are great character pieces. Mm -hmm. And every time Seven actually progresses as a character, she gets more and more interesting and she is one of the characters with i think the most depths left to plumb uh particularly if we're supposed to buy her turn to murder machine in picard <clears throat> so personally i'm just really excited about this and i mean more jerry ryan in the world is just a blessing honestly there you go listeners you can join the conversation about these stories and a whole lot more over at our discord you can join the major spoilers discord server for free or if you are a patron you can link your patreon account to discord and get access to even more features and you can find out more at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Third week in a row that we've been doing this new news format, hoping that you're liking it. The uh, feedback has been generally positive. So I think we're going to keep that going into the future. But let us know. Podcastmajorspoilers.com or like I said, over in the Discord server. Let us do some reviews. Now, last week, because of Children's, uh, Ashley and I were not able to do a Finally Friday in which we were going to gush about Perry Mason, uh, that final episode. So, Ashley, please fill us in about all things Perry Mason chapter eight. You know, truly, I I only put this as my review because I wanted to talk to Stephen about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Perry Mason is amazing. I I can't believe that's a phrase that I'm saying as someone who is um, not familiar nor interested with the original source material, which is not to say that it's not great in its own right. A bunch of stuff has come out. They've announced season two. Uh, we know that it's one of the most watched things, which is wild because I feel like Steven is the only other person I know who's watching the show. Mm-hmm. But they wrap everything up and they don't in this final issue. Yes. And I think some of that is very effective. And I found some of it like, well, then what was the point of Sister Alice in this whole thing? Mm-hmm. And what was the point in casting Tatiana Maslati? And he just, I guess she's coming back for season two. Is, is okay. she coming back for season two? Because that, that wasn't clear. I think her story was done. But I agree with you that, you know, the whole uh, revival bit, the whole religious bit I thought was very interesting. And I thought her character was very interesting in that role. And I got to tell you, if you want to see another reason why she was great in um or, or not Orange is the New Black, um, what was the show that she was? I'm going to say Orange. Yeah. <laughs> Clone Club. <laughs> yeah. The Clone Club. Uh, because at the very end of the show where he drives up to that diner and, yeah. you know, he's talking to the waitress. I'm like, well, why is he talking to this waitress? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's oh, just changing her c- hair color really changes her whole entire look. 
Yeah, and giving her um, natural hair and not a horrible crunchy lace front that's not laid properly really, really helps as well. It yeah, was yeah. really nice to see her uh, looking yeah, like but, Tatiana Maslow because that blonde wig, whoever did it, you did a bad job. It was a bad wig. For I don't know. <laughs> I think for the time trying to play her up, you know, in that character and in that style of the time period, I think that was probably right for her to have that that uh, platinum blonde look for that time period to kind of give her that holier. Yeah, that holier thing, I think, re- worked really well. But in, in regards to the things that were left unanswered, because there were a lot of things that I was just like, huh, that's a weird way to, to wrap that up. I kind of forgave it in that final uh, episode only because they had announced three weeks before that the series was coming back for a second season. Well, we got a lot of cool, like things falling into place, mm-hmm. um, especially if you do know Perry Mason, you're familiar with some of the players like Della and Paul's positions were solidified. And that's really cool. Uh, what they're leaving off his relationship with Pete, I found deeply upsetting because I love Shea Wiggum mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that he evolves into a neat antagonist for season two. Cause I just, I don't want any less of him in the show. But the thing that I found most arresting in the finale was ultimately how they dealt with the case itself. And I'm going to try to speak about this in as few spoilers as I can because the episode did only air uh, last week. But I thought it was very interesting how uh, for Emily, having a baby, any baby, was better than nothing. Yes. And the whole show revolves around relationships between parents and children even uh eb's relationship with matthew reese eb jonathan being the character uh played by the venerable john lithgow and it's it was very interesting to me how all of that was wrapped up and put into place but i will say having looked back on these eight episodes i do think it wrapped up uh rather quickly i fully expected at the beginning of this that he would be in the courtroom in episode eight uh as opposed to finishing his first trial at the end of episode mm-hmm. eight which mm-hmm. i guess we might see tried again next season i don't know but yeah, overall I, hope, I really hope that they do not continue that particular storyline into too. the next season i hope it's something new and but, if people you know, want to re- see an awesome Stephen root Stephen root in this show is fantastic <laughs> as the He's district so attorney so evil so evil yeah he's a <laughs> bad man yeah also, I think Tim Van Patten, who's the director of this entire series, isn't he a, a Dick Van Patten's son or grandson? I don't know who that is, so maybe. Eight is enough? The dad from Eight is Dick enough? Dick Van Patten is the I dad don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Ashley, you need to do a deep, deep dive into late 70s, early 80s television and, and check out at least one episode of Eight is Enough and, and wonder and marvel at why do none of these <laughs> kids look anywhere remotely like they should be related to one another, unlike the Brady Bunch, which only, granted, had six kids. But at least the girls had blonde hair and the boys all had dark hair. Oh, man, I recently heard the theme song to Charles in Charge for the first time. And you want to you want a creep fest. That song yeah. is that song is we'll Charles for you. is in charge. Tim Van Patten is actually Dick Van Patten's half brother. Oh, half brother. OK, wow. Yeah, he okay. was salami on the white shadow back in. Wow. 78. He, wow. Because um, I was thinking Tim Van Patten was much, much younger. All so. strung together. Interesting, interesting, interesting. OK, Ashley, what's the final what's the final meatloaf rating on Perry Mason chapter eight? So overall, I actually think this might be the weakest episode of the season, but uh, finales and pilots do have a lot of heavy lifting to do. And the stuff that I uh, was not completely in love with was all in service of the fact that we are wrapping this up because we have a new season to uh, write and pretend like we're going to be able to shoot anytime in the next year. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give it 
four and a half slices of meatloaf because it did bring me so much joy. And that is probably informed by my love for the rest of the series. And I just honestly again can't believe that it was any good. And it was not only any good, it is so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's keep it uh, going with television. Rodrigo, I hear the Muppets got a new late night talk show to compete with all those other talk shows that are staying at home. Oh, this isn't okay. So Muppets now, because two new there's two new shows coming to uh, to Disney. Two new Muppet shows. Di- uh, Muppets now is a reimagining of the old Muppet show. Oh, okay. Um, except instead of like them running around backstage, like oh, where, where's the guest or whatever, um, they are frantically uploading the show piecemeal to streaming. Hmm. Um, which is, you know, when you look one-to-one as to what a modern take on the Muppets might be, that does, you know, that does feel right. Um, interestingly, though, uh, very, when, when you watch the old Muppet show, that made it all about Kermit because Kermit was in charge, even though Scooter, um, is the actual, like, technical director of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of about Kermit putting out fires, but weirdly this show, because Scooter is the one actually uploading everything is weirdly Scooter centric. Uh, so good glow up for Scooter, I guess. Um, this show is not bad. I think it kind of struggles with who it's appealing to, what it's going for, a, a place that the Muppets have occupied basically since the very first iteration of well not the very first iteration but since the muppet show right the muppets kind of existed in this weird gray area of like kids like them but it's actually entertainment for adults that kids can watch um and since then have really only ever been kind of a flip of that right Mm -hmm. entertainment for kids that adults can watch Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what muppets now feels like uh it's cute it's funny Uh, i Seriously, I've, there's three episodes out now, and I've gotten at least one solid, like, out loud, and I'm watching this alone, out loud chuckle from something that happens, at least one per episode, which is already great, right? It's That's a good benchmark. Um, they have guest stars. Uh, there are multiple segments with Tay Diggs. Uh, there are multiple segments with, oh, I just totally forgot her name, Carolini. Uh, she was the... She was the girl from Freaks and Geeks. Uh, Linda Cardellini. Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Cardellini. Yep. That's that's where it is. Yeah. She's pretty she's pretty funny in this. Um and uh the show also uh kind of tosses the ball at lesser known Muppets or less popular Muppets, like um Uncle Deadly is big in this, which I like a lot. He's been around since the beginning. But really, it wasn't until the like later movies that he kind of found a little bit more place, uh, more of a space. And of course, uh, Pepe the Prawn is prominent. So take that as you will. Um, if you don't like him, then you got to deal with that. If you do like him, then hey, there's more Pepe. Um, <laughs> I like him because he's so rude, right? It's just great to have a character who's like, <laughs> it's like Scooter as his TD, and he's just like like trying to get this game show on the road and he just completely changes it and he keeps calling him scooper. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's just fun. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of fun happening 
But if you're expecting to just laugh your head off from beginning to end, it's not because it's a skit show and different skits are going to hit differently. Uh, lots of Muppet Lab stuff. Lots of um, the best skit in the first one is is a skit with Kermit in it where like Kermit actually gets to be the funny one, um, which is rare. Usually he's a straight man, but this kind of pulled it off. Uh, I'm going to give it three and a half slices of meatloaf. Um, it's an enjoyable experience, but I feel like it's trying to really find its voice where it is. Um, and I hope that Disney doesn't cancel it so that it can actually, you know, basically gear itself up and start firing on all cylinders. But weirdly, it is going to be competing with the Muppets, um, along with competing with everything else on Disney Plus. So we'll see how that goes. Is that uh, Elmo show? That's the talk show, right? Is that the? Oh, is that is that what you meant? Uh, yeah, I that's what that I was, was thinking. Another man, that's their late night talk show. Oh man, yeah. they've got too many too many shows coming out with Muppets. The so Elmo it looks like show is actually really really cute. And <laughs> nice. I don't even like Elmo, but it's really good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's a lot for people that are you know we have been uh, very dry in the world of Muppets for years. You know, occasionally yep. you'll get. You know, a TV show will pop up here and there or in the case of that uh, last most recent Muppets movie, uh, you know, we had that. But, you know, a, a dearth of Muppets has not really been well, and, on our plate for years unless you're counting PBS. But now we have what like, about Dark Crystal. Are we counting that as Muppets? I mean, technically, uh, yeah, not, but even that Muppet is franchise. Yeah, but, e- but even then, that that is few and far between. And so it just seems like in the last couple of years since Disney has solidified its hold on the Muppets. Uh, we are getting a lot of Muppets left and right. Yeah, and oh. it's it's because they're trying them out, and partially it's because they, I, I feel, are uh, hesitant to return the Muppets to their old formula, mm-hmm. um, which would probably actually be very successful, which is to make them kind of raunchy, make them like um, a little bit more grown up, but last time they tried that with that just the Muppets uh, sitcom that also didn't work for them because they kind of weirdly made them too mean. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard. It's hard for like the Muppets were in a lot of ways, kind of like a, uh, you know, lightning in a bottle and that has carried them for decades. But um, aside from like individual movies where you can like in the span of this movie, we get to define what the Muppets are. Like, I like that the Muppets movie a lot with uh, Marshall from How I Met Your Mother. How and, I Met uh, Your Muppets, I believe. Yeah. Called. And uh, Lois Lane um, is like, I like it a lot. And part of the reason why it works is because it's very well defined within the context of the movie. They made a sequel to that called Muppets Most Wanted, which I still kind of liked, but just didn't have that same thing and it's i think because it was like a looser interpretation of the muppets you you really need to like tighten your muppets which is like a weird thing to to think about but <laughs> there's a you know the muppets started out as a variety show there's a lot of stuff there and you really need to figure out what to focus on mm-hmm, mm-hmm. scooper focus on scooper yeah focus yeah. on the scooper what about hey, waldorf scooper. Uh, you focus Wal- on the scooper okay statler and Wal- waldorf where are they at yep Stadler and Waldorf are brought in as a uh, audience test or Uh, like as a test audience to the show. Mm -hmm. And of course, they just, uh, you know, fail every like they just (laughs) give terrible ratings to everything. Speaking of ratings, what's the final meatloaf rating on this? uh, 3.5 best new character from the series. I think this is an original character is Bob from legal, who is like a tiny otter (laughs) wearing a suit. Nice. Nice. 
All right, we're going to keep it in TV one more time because uh, with the end of Perry Mason, I was like, oh, what do I need my HBO Max subscription for anymore if there's no Perry Mason? And then <laughs> I realized this past weekend, Lovecraft uh, Country debuted. Now, uh, for those of you who have listened to this show for a long time and maybe even I think I may have talked uh, about it a lot more in depth on Finally Friday, which is the show that I do live on Fridays when my kids are not causing trouble. Um, uh, four o'clock PM central time on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash major spoilers. But Lovecraft country is a book written by Matt Ruff, who tells the story of a world where Lovecraftian horrors exist. The Shoggoths exist, uh, secret cults exist. Uh, you know, uh, the strange things from another dimension exist, uh, different beings from other planets exist. And it's all set against the backdrop of 1950s Jim Crow laws. And so the uh, stars of this show are uh, black people who are trying to find out what has happened to uh, Atticus Freeman's father, who has disappeared in this area of the country called Lovecraft Country because Atticus grew up reading Lovecraft's stories uh, and liking them, even though he knew that Lovecraft was a huge racist. And, and that's kind of the interesting part, because uh, they do have a little bit of conversation in this first episode about loving the work despite the artist. But at the same time, even though these Lovecraftian monsters are real, what the show and what the book are trying to get across is the real monsters are the Jim Crow laws, the sundowner laws, uh, the people that are out to literally kill black people because they are in their county uh, when when they deem that they shouldn't be. Um, so, yes, a couple of people have commented to me that's like. Wow, I thought the first episode was okay, but they waited until literally the last 10 minutes for any monsters to show up. And it's like, no, the monsters have been there the entire time if you're paying attention, uh, because as they go. And, and so the idea is Atticus's um, uncle, who's going with him on the search for his father. Uh, he is someone who writes a travel book that is for. Uh, people of color when they're traveling to know what towns they can go to, which towns they should avoid, what places they should totally avoid. Uh, you know, and there's a map that has like, you know, a, um, a is Grim it the Reaper. green book or is it like an it's in-universe kind, version of that? It is the in-universe version okay. of the green book. Um, and so I find that very interesting as well. This, I think the acting is really great in this. I think as far as adaptations go, everything that I remember, and I read the book like four years ago, Everything that I remember in the first one or two chapters is present in this first episode. So I thought they did a very straight up uh, adaptation of the book. This is produced by J.J. Abrams and Jordan Peele, among others. And so, of course, the Jordan Peele, this was announced shortly after Get Out or not Get Out. Yeah, Get Out. Or Us. No, uh, not Us. His first one. Um, get out, yeah. yeah, get out. When that yeah. when that first came out, that's when it was announced he was working on Lovecraft Country. That's when I read the book. and I was just totally blown away. By how good the book is. My understanding is from what I've seen in the previews, the first half of this season or the first five episodes of this season cover the first third of the book. And then the rest of the season, I don't know if it's going to cover the rest of the book, but um, there is a main story. And then there's a bunch of other stories that follow up after this. We're going to see some other actors uh, show up in here uh, that that are probably uh, fan favorites as the story progresses. And it's going to get weird. I mean, the 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 TV show opens with um, uh, Jackie Robinson clubbing the hell out of Cthulhu uh, while uh, our lead character Atticus <laughs> is making out with uh, Deja Thor as the princess from Mars. So uh, that'll give you a little idea of, you know, the tone of, of this thing. 
Is there humor? Yes, there's humor. Is there jump scares? Yes, there's jump scares. Is it beautifully shot? It is wonderfully shot. Does it have great acting? Yes, it does. Um, uh, what's her What's her name? Uh, Journey uh, Smollett uh, yep. is in the show. Yeah, and I didn't realize she was Black Canary. I was like, holy cow. Uh, she is also great. streaming on HBO Max. Yes, she is great <laughs> in both of those. So uh, this is this is really worth checking out. Uh, I think maybe it will turn off some people. Um, but I think, and this is what Matt Ruff was trying to do when he wrote the book, was he's trying to take Lovecraft's racism and saying, yes, here are here are our people of color, here are our protagonists who are turning that over, who are defeating these monsters that are created by a literal racist. Uh, and so I, I find that that story very interesting. And there is a comic book tie to this. Um, one of the the uh, the uncle, Uncle George's daughter uh, draws comic books. And again, a little bit of spoiler for episodes coming up. The mother and that comic book have a, a big story to be told later in the season. So you'll be wanting to look out for that as well. But I just really got a kick out of Lovecraft Country ep uh, episode one. I think the probably the biggest drawback is because you have so much story to tell. A lot of the overt racism and a lot of the overt danger to black people are missing in, in the story or the, I mean, they're there. You can really tell they're being chased by people out of town. They're being shot at people. Their sheriffs threatening to kill them and hang them. If they can't get out of the County before the sun goes down, the book goes into a lot more detail uh, about the places that they have to go and the places that they can go and can't go in the book. So if you enjoyed episode one of Lovecraft country, I would really suggest you go get the book uh, because it goes a little bit further in depth and it gives you more in what we saw in the first episode, there's a, a mysterious silver Rolls Royce that is kind of helping uh, our heroes. Uh, there's more of that Rolls Royce that appears in the first part of the book before they get to their destination in not Arkham, but Artem County. And so um, check this out. It's it's really interesting. If, if you enjoyed Perry Mason, if you enjoyed the look of Perry Mason, uh, Lovecraft Country number one was very, very good, and I can't wait to see how the rest of the season plays out. I'm giving it five slices of meatloaf out of five, just because I thought it was a very faithful adaptation of the book. Okay. Anybody else have a chance to watch it? Did you watch it, Ashley? I have not watched it yet, or muted, unmuted myself fast enough. Uh, that's fine. I am watching Shits Creek right now. That's not a swear. That's the name of the town and the show. Uh, so I'm, I'm doing happy stuff right now. All right. Well, if, if uh, so, if you kind of like the, the Watchmen series on HBO, I think you'll probably also love this. Can't wait. Let us now get to some actual comic books, not just things that reference comic books are in the sphere of pulp, pop culture. Matthew, uh, spider woman, mm -hmm. number three out this week from Marvel comics as mm -hmm. they lead up to the big spider woman, number 100 issue. I'm so confused because about 11 years ago in the before times, you and I reviewed Spider-Woman number one for Dueling Review, I believe. Um, yes, we did. And it's freaking me out because this is issue three and mm -hmm. it seems like, like that eight was months like later. a year and a half ago. Yeah. And that's what happens when they have to stop uh, shipping out comics. I'm surprised that this is one that they're continuing to push. I think the only reason they're continuing to push it is because I believe issue five and again, I'm going to go by what Marvel says. I'm sure there's other people that are going to be like, well, I'm actually, um, issue number five is, is issue 100, the 100th mm -hmm. spider woman book that has been published. And, um, and so I think that's the only reason why this series is, is continuing, but I'm, I'm actually, very curious because the first episode, the first issue I thought was very good. According to the book itself, spider woman, number one was the top selling comic in March of 2020 oh, for Marvel. Well, there you go. Well, there was only 
That may have been the only book that came I, out that I, You know what? I'm, I'm not even going to mess still, with it. You still take the win, though. 140,000 copies. Blibbity, blibbity, blue. So we pick up about 12 seconds after the comic that we read a million years ago. Uh, Spider-Woman, out of money, is taking a job as a bodyguard. And last issue, uh, and I, I read last issue to get to this issue, and it gave me the just an utter case of the creeps because she started getting super sick. And having these terrible symptoms of sickness and, and fever and illness, and I'm just like, yeah. uh, but it turns out that her employer is actually experimenting on her. He's trying to use her special spidery powers to help his daughter, who is unable to walk. So in this issue, Jessica and the daughter and the uh, dude take off for the great white north in an airplane that they have to steal and throughout the issue people keep trying to turn on them uh one of the uh, guy's assistants tries to turn on him and for a reward because apparently there is now a huge reward out on jessica because of what he's trying to do with her powers so they fly and they fly and they get away from all of the people and suddenly they're attacked by fighter planes which shoot them down in Wondagore. Now, if you're not familiar with Marvel Comics and the Wondagore, Wondagore is basically this weird little Balkan country where every creepy story you ever read in any sort of uh, fairy tale ever probably actually happened. It's where Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch were brought up by a cow. Uh, it's also the place where Spider-Woman was born uh, at one point, it was actually theorized that she was evolved from a radioactive spider. That is not the case, because in this issue, we finally see the reason why he's come to Wondagore and the reason why Jessica is wrapped up in all this. The little girl is lying there. She's fighting with her boss. She's going to shoot him. And finally, a woman steps out of the shadows and says, Jessica, stop abusing your brother. Dun, dun, dun. And then the little girl screams, Grandma! So apparently the man who's hired Jessica and is trying to steal her powers is actually her brother. And he's brought them home to Wondagore. Now, I've read this issue no less than three times. And I will say this. It's got moments in it that I enjoy. It starts with an all-out fight with Spider-Woman fighting these uh sort of kind of dinosaurs anytime i say the word dinosaur anywhere near rodrigo i feel him kind of boring his eyes into me and going are any of them stegosaurs um he just wants to make sure that i'm calling a dinosaur a dinosaur there are no mammoths or saber-toothed tigers they seem to be human dinosaur hybrids one's an ankylosaurus i really like that and they've tied the new villain into Jessica's very first villain from 1977, a man named Otto Vermis. I really like that. And the plot line here of trying to use her powers and her past and tying into what's coming up to the 100th issue and probably Jessica's 40th or 45th anniversary. I don't know. Time is hard. Um, I like all of that. And yet this issue never comes together for me. It never quite gelled. It feels like there's a lot of things going on and a lot of interesting little moments and scatter shot. Boom, boom. Here's a shot. Here's a scene. Oh, here's a fight. Oh, she punched through a wall. And you get to the end and you're like, well, that's a big surprising moment that I just don't. I, I mean, it didn't feel like it was really foreshadowed. It didn't feel like I don't want to say it wasn't earned, 
but it felt like a moment where I'm just like, oh, well, that that sort of changes everything. And there's some really nice dialogue in here. Jessica talking back and forth. Jessica arguing with her brother. Jessica talking to the girl she doesn't know is her niece. Jessica yelling, yeah, ha, ha, ha. And, you know, crashing a, an airplane into a mountain and screaming, eat mountain. It just never comes together for me. Two and a half slices of meatloaf for Spider-Woman number three. It's an okay issue. I'd say a better than average issue. It's just kind of flibberty blibberty. Maybe it's that middle chapter syndrome. Maybe as we get closer and we look at 100 and I go, oh, this is a great, you know, 15 minute break in the second half of the episode that's leading up to issue 100. That may be, but right now I'm just kind of like (laughs) disappointed. All right, there you go, listeners, some reviews for you. And of course, if you want even more reviews, if you want an even more in-depth discussion, if you want things that, uh, man, uh, I don't know what's been going on with our site lately, but I've noticed that a lot more publishers and a lot more creators are taking a look at what we are writing. And so now uh, might be a good time to go and see exactly what we're doing over at Majorspoilers.com and why so many publishers and uh, uh, creators are excited about what we're doing. You can find that all over at Majorspoilers.com. Our trade paperback this week, Scott Johnson has been, if you listen to the morning stream, he's been talking a lot about it over the last couple of weeks. It's East of West from Jonathan Hickman and Nick Dragata from Image Comics. We're looking at volume one right now. Uh, It is our world, but not the world that you know. The closest that I can guess from the way the story plays out is perhaps the Tunguska, which happened in 1906, but perhaps the Tunguska meteor did not fall in Russia, but instead fell in the middle of America shortly around the time uh, that the Civil War occurred. And because it was so devastating, uh, the United States didn't become a country that uh, is united. Instead, you have the West Coast that has been occupied by uh, Mao's descendants. So it is basically new China. You have uh, Texas, which is its own country. You have the South uh, contingent, you have the North Northeast contingent, and then you also have a, what is it? Uh, you have a tribal contingent and you also have something that I want to say is, is it Pacific Northwest, Rodrigo, or is it, do you think it's North Central America? Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, there wasn't, it wasn't like immediately obvious to me what it was all supposed to. Yeah. From uh, what's his name? Uh, Bill Solomon or whatever his name is with what area he occupies. Yeah. Bell. <laughs> Bell song. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the thing is, they've all come together as these six different groups to help fulfill a prophecy of the end times. The weird thing is the four horsemen of the apocalypse are no longer the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Three of them are back. One of them has been sticking around death because uh, he fell in love and uh, wants to destroy the world, but doesn't want to destroy the world. And the other three are out to get him and whatever he's up to it also doesn't take place in in the past it takes place in the far future of 2064 it'll be here before you know it what do you guys think of this uh, let me let me find out did anybody enjoy this volume who enjoyed this volume ashley i did enjoy this volume okay matthew did you enjoy this volume no okay uh, rodrigo did you enjoy this volume i i wasn't crazy about it okay so I'm very mixed feelings about this. Part of me uh, was very much like, um, 
I don't know if it's the world building that is that is problematic or the 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 weirdness of the four horsemen are here and everyone's conspiring and secret cults or whatever. But Ashley, please, please tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me what you enjoyed about this volume. So I have read four volumes of East of West ah, okay. in the past. Okay. Uh, back when I was working at Top Cow, I was reading a lot of Image, as uh, one might imagine. And uh, let me tell you, I didn't remember a GD thing that happened in this book, except that there was an apocalypse. And um, I remembered what Crow looked like because she's very, very striking. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the fact and I remember this series being gobbledygook nonsense that made no sense. And I've been telling people for years not to read this book because it's gobbledygook nonsense. That makes no sense. Um so the fact that I read this and it was like kind of comprehensible, I was like, this is better than I thought it was. I'm okay. having a great time reading this. And then I'm, I am a huge fan of Hickman's X-Men run, which I know is not like a, a, an out there opinion. I know everyone's pretty much on board with it mm -hmm. um, and like enjoying it as much as I do. East of West is such a proto version of that down to the way the white pages with the text on it are designed. So hmm. I, I liked it for a variety of reasons that don't necessarily speak to whether or not it's actually a good comic. Okay. Um, I still don't know if I would recommend it to anyone, which I know is horrible, but like I had a really good time reading it. <laughs> now, did you have a really good time reading it the first time or the second time? Because no, maybe the that's the thing. Second. Cause I, yeah. I read through this and I got to the end and I was like, well, this really doesn't do anything for me. I think it's convoluted as far as the end times conspiracy group. Uh, you know, the people that want to bring about the end times, I think is a little weird. For sure. I mean, death certainly has an agenda in which he wants to go find the woman that he loves and she rejects him, uh, essentially. It is so beautiful, though. And I am not generally a person who can turn off my brain um, and just enjoy the art. But for mm -hmm. me, like East of West really does it. Um, and especially with Wolf and Crow and they get, yeah. they get cooler, uh, more badass things to do as it goes along. And, um, I am sure that, uh, somebody who is first nations could maybe find some issues with the way that they are portrayed. But in my, uh, ignorant white people stance, I really, I really do enjoy them. So, uh, but perhaps that's it. Perhaps this book is only, truly enjoyable if you've already waded through the murk well and i was going to ask that do you think that it's it's more enjoyable because you've already read four volumes of this or or is i don't know is because just... if you again if you ask me what happens after this i have no idea uh, okay right. uh, i know they i know they fight some more i know they are in the garden again yeah. um but yeah i guess that also speaks to how much of an impression the series made on me yeah so rodrigo you said that you were not a super fan of this why why were you not a super fan um well, I guess, uh, Stephen, you brought up that maybe it was a word, world building that was a problem. But I, I think the problem for me is that all this is is world building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when, like, if I asked you, like, who the main character is of this series, I think by the end of it, you would be in, might be inclined to answer death. But that doesn't become really evident. Well, they don't death, even... You don't even know his name in the first two issues. Yeah. You're, not, you're not even sure that it is death. Well, and death is introduced actually in pretty much the exact same way that the rest of the apocalypse kids are. So um, it's like 
here are some kids. They are, well, uh, you know, they come into the world and then they are committing some grisly murders and so's death. Um, and it's like, I, w- I just kept waiting. I'm like, who is the character that we're supposed to relate to? The, p- the character that we're supposed to hang on to? The character that maybe doesn't know what's going on and is going to ask a question, is going to tell us, you know, what's going on. And there is no character mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. This, I felt when I was reading this book, I felt like I was a thousand miles away from it. Yes. It, it feels like somebody's telling you, like somebody is describing a really cool action movie to you. It's like, yeah, so there's this apocalypse case and then they do this and then death, they're chasing after death. Uh, who's death? Well, death is like this like pale guy, right? And he goes and he's going to shoot a guy and then he's like, oh, tell me the thing, guy. And the guy's like, oh, I can't. Oh, well, show me your eyeball. Eyeball, what's going on? Yes. And it's like, you know, just it just feels like you're moving from beat to beat to beat to beat to beat mm-hmm, without mm-hmm. really emotionally figuring out why you even care about death or his yeah, uh, I, I wife wonder who is like both of whom are like very cold and like uh, like they're just everybody in this book is so cool, like too cool and like just like too cool for them to like take a moment and be like, this is what you should care about me. Like they right, don't care right. about the fact that I don't care about them. Yeah, I wonder I wonder if it's not, you know, the the world building. But I also think that there's like. I'd like some explanation as to what's going on. And I think the way that this book works is here's something crazy, right? So uh, here's these three people that walk into a bar and it looks like an oldie Western bar and they walk up and, you know, the bartender's like, hey, we don't serve your kind here. And you're like, oh, okay, this is like post-Civil War. They're all dressed in Western costumes. And there's some people that look like maybe miners or soldiers hanging around. But then as you start reading more of the panels, and especially when that eyeball pops out, you're like, what the heck? Uh, But at the same time, then you start paying attention to when they talk about the blues and the reds that are hanging around. And then you realize, oh, all these people are starting to wear future gear, stuff that does not look like Civil War times. And so then you're like, ah, maybe this is the future. And then Death walks out of the bar after killing everyone and he jumps on his robot bug and and rides off. And then they're like, it's the year 2064. Let us tell you how we got here. And so maybe allow me to assure you that's about as much explanation as you're. Oh man, get. because it feels like, but it feels like they do that multiple times, right? Where it's just like ah, uh, the White Tower, uh, the the three uh, murder children show up and they kill, you know, uh, this person there, and then you're like, oh, they killed the president. Why is the president in this White Tower? And then they run through the whole chain of succession and kill everyone there, and you're like, oh, okay, so they're trying to get to a person. So it's almost like shock value. Now let us fill in that that hole that we created. I don't know. That's I don't that's... know if anyone remembers when this book was originally coming out, but the fact that one of the little apocalypse babies is trans uh, got a lot of play, and this mm. book got a lot of publicity for that, like right out huh. the gate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Interesting, Matthew. Why were you not a big fan? Well, part of it is for me. There are two John Hickmans. There's uh, John Hickman who did that amazing run of Avengers, who did the Manhattan Projects, who did uh, some Fantastic Four that I liked, and then there's the John Hickman who did God Is Dead, which I literally could not get through. And uh, I'm one of the people who looks at the you know the Hoxpox, the House of X, and I'm just like, boy, that went wrong really quick, didn't it? Um, and so for me, this is actually in between those two Hickmans, because parts of it I wanted to like, which makes it more frustrating when I don't. But I think my biggest problem is that this is 
a dystopian Western science fiction samurai philosophical epic with blood and guts, uh, written by Rod Serling and William S. Burroughs from a story that maybe Hunter S. Thompson told them while they were stoned at a party, but it's okay because they got Gene Roddenberry in to do punch-ups. This is like everything. It is literally, to me, the comic book equivalent of going to the quick shop and making a suicide where you take all the drinks and you put them all in there and you add salt and pepper and ketchup because you're 12 and you're an idiot and you shouldn't be allowed out in public. Now, is it a bad comic? No. I feel like Nick Dragota is amazing. I just want to look at these pictures all day long, uh, especially, as Ashley mentioned, Crow. And uh, her friend, whose name escapes me. What's Wolf. his name? Wolf. 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 Yeah. Wolf and Crow are amazing. And I look at that and I'm like, this reminds me of season two of Westworld. I love season two of Westworld. And then I get to a point where I'm like, this reminds me of a Black Mirror episode. And this reminds me of some classic Twilight Zone. And this just makes me sick. And he needs to put his eye back in his head. And <laughs> I feel like it's just almost, for me, too much. Hmm. There's, there's so many things going on. And so many things that want to fight for my attention. Uh, there's a really beautiful sequence where we see the president and his entire cabinet murdered one by one by one by one until we get down to some minor functionary who is deemed worthy to be the new president. And Antonia LaVey. And her mm -hmm. name is Antonia LaVey. Yep. And that brick hit me just right in the face. And as I, you know, I had my psychic nosebleed from Antonia LaVey, we immediately turn back and all of a sudden it's like, yes, and we are the leaders of the free world and we are all together in this secret Freemason underground psychic Bambi conspiracy. And I'm like, I just processed Antonia LaVey and now there's a guy with a beard who wants me to know that he's... He is now and will always be Bell Solomon, whatever that means. And I'm like, that's a cool moment. That's a great introduction. The character seems to not appear anywhere else again in this book. Uh, he does. Uh, when he, shows, go he shows up close to the end. But, <laughs> that's, but that's the problem is the, the, the book doesn't ever stop to let anything land. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Especially when you realize that, oh, the reason why death and um, what's his the, the woman that he's in love with. Uh, the reason why everybody's so Shall concerned about Yon? them, yes, is because they Shall had a baby. They had the baby, you know, the beast of the apocalypse. And they've got the baby in some kind of virtual chamber all hooked up and rigged up, uh, polluting his mind. And I don't know if it's if it's there to protect the rest of the world from the beast or if they're trying to feed the beast to do something of their bidding. It's just like, OK, but they got a baby locked up and it's robots are feeding it information all the time. What is going on? And then they don't explain it. So that's why they're I'm brainwashing Damien. Well, it's, yeah, it's it's the beast, but I, you know, I was that's why I was wanting to know how many of you really liked it because maybe I just don't, and it doesn't sound like it's just like what's going on is all I could think about while I was reading this is like it, I can understand that death's in love and he didn't want to die the last time and now is the woman he's in love with is mad at him because he didn't come back and save her and stay with her and all this stuff and it's just like. Yeah, I think if you know it's nonsense, then you can just enjoy it more because it's a lot of pretty pictures. And maybe, you're like, maybe that's what I mean. It is, it is very I'll agree with you and Matthew and, and Rodrigo that the, the, the art in here is really, really cool. I really kind of dig it. It kind of has at times uh, a little bit of a, a, a Mobius uh, uh, look mm -hmm, to it, sure. uh, which I which I really kind of dig. Um, but for the story, I'm just like I, I'm at a toss up. I understand that some people really love it. And, and again, 
This is volume one of four or more. And uh, Scott Johnson has just been going off about how much he loves East of West. Scott's and also an artist, though. He is. And that's why I want you to know, talk so to him. This might appeal to the that those sort of uh, sensibilities that, I mean, I certainly don't have. Well, and <laughs> honestly, I, I know it's, I, I know people who like East of West. And I think the, the appeal here is the high concept. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like. I mean, it's it's the pitch. It's the trailer. It's a, in a world in which death <laughs> rides with two super cool guys and the rest of the apocalypse babies. What totally want to get them? Like the world is so cool. Everything's so cool. Everything is like, oh, did you? It's like it's an alternate history, and it mm-hmm. takes place in the future, and it's supernatural. And there's a lot of weird technology and there's like a weird horse bug that shoots lasers from its face. And it's, like, yeah. And it relies on your knowledge of the Judeo-Christian together, religion. Yeah. Everything together comes out to like a very cool experience. But if you are like, okay, yeah, this character is cool. What's their deal? Shh, 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 shh. Let me tell you about the bug monster. Very um, bad. Like that just that just always felt like what it was. I was like, oh, what's this guy's deal? No, not gonna not gonna talk about. It. Okay, let's move on. And so I wonder, but again, do, does that even get? Are any of these questions answered as the as the series goes on, Ashley, or not? Oh, I would say almost nothing is answered as the series goes on. Okay. Uh, the baby does some stuff. Uh, a bunch of people get murderized. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if you want answers, I would Are look th- to the series for answers. And, and I say that as somebody who likes answers. Yeah. Uh, and, and even though even though I did enjoy reading this for the sake of this panel, I didn't rush out in a, a buying frenzy to read the rest of it. The way when we started Harrow County, I said, well, I guess I'll just read all of it. Yeah. And so, you know, I really dig the weird spiritualness that we find in Harrow County and the weird alt history mm-hmm. that we see in Sixth Gun and in other in, in other books as well. Uh, but this one, everything just fell flat. I don't know if it would be maybe stick to the old West and stick I, to the apocalypse, but don't throw it into the future and don't throw all this weirdness into it. But what was the one that we just read recently that had. You know, pretty that weird, deadly. Is yep. that what it was with the with the weird uh, death and the frog and, yep. the, and yes. the bird, I, the, which was coming closest, out around the same time? Actually, the, the closest comparison to this book, I would say, is not Six Gun. It's pretty deadly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. pretty deadly works because it is like because it tells you why the characters are important and at least lets you sit down with the characters like there are scenes where like the vulture girl is like hey why are we going over here old man oh we're gonna go find this okay and like that's kind of all this book needs it's mm-hmm. just to slow down for a second and be like why is this relevant why are these characters important why do we care about these characters maybe the mm-hmm. end of the world is a good thing like wh- i mean it could be in in this situation like why do we care like i just like flipping through this book every time is like why do i care about what's happening here and the book never stops to tell you yeah 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 yeah. that's and and i was thinking of the pretty deadly book and was thinking well this is very similar to that but at least that one made a lot more sense than what i'm getting here and again pretty deadly we basically got a complete story with a chapter two coming in the next volume this one we have multiple more volumes to go before we understand what the whole story is and hopefully it it comes to an end by the end but yeah. Well, it pretty deadly tonally was kind of, you know, an old timey fable, a poem 
And this feels a little bit more like an Emerson Lake and Palmer album reimagined it, by Daft Punk. It really does. It feels like a music video. Reading yeah. through this feels like a music video. And that's not that's not bad. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't like it. I just feel like for me, it's overwhelming. This volume is just so much. I mean, I'm like, death has a wife yeah. and her arms were cut off and all of it. And I feel like, you know, what was, uh, speaking of Colin Bunn, what was the thing we just read of him, the the sequel oh, the Shadow Roads. Yeah, the Shadow Roads. I had similar complaints with Shadow Roads that we yep. were introducing a mm-hmm, lot of things mm-hmm. and just kind of throwing us into the deep end and hoping that we didn't, you know, bump our head on the diving board. So is there is there something in this that you like though, Matthew? I love the art. I feel like a lot of these concepts are amazing. The yeah, idea yeah. of of, you know, this weird uh bone white Elric uh kind of death as played sure, by a sure. young Clint Eastwood is a great visual. The idea of the three little kids being the embodiments of, of you know, the war and famine and, I don't know, Rob Liefeld, whatever Disease, the end of the world is going to be. And I love that. I love the sequence in the bar, theoretically, but there are also those moments where I'm like, would this be stronger if I wasn't seeing Mabuse, if I wasn't seeing the Tarna episode of uh, Heavy Metal, if I wasn't seeing so very much here that wants to remind me of these other things and isn't going to slow down necessarily to let me feel like, hey, that was pretty cool. Elric is death and he shot up a bar, you guys. That's over. And now we're moving on to this other thing. And, you know, I recently watched the first episode of The Legend of Korra. And I don't know if you guys know this, but it has cars in it. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And I was watching that episode of The Legend of Korra, and the car showed up. And my brain went, my brain went, okay, I've got to stop. I've got to process. I've got to put this. I've got to twist the little Rubik's Cube to get the sides back. And I had that feeling in this book, like every five pages. And that, that may be intentional. That's, that may be the point. Uh, you know, you have this story that just goes, wham, wham, wham. We are doing all of these things and we're doing it really awesome. And it's a great big prog rock album. And that can be attractive. I just feel like this, the, this presentation of this volume never dragged me in. Rodrigo, what, what did you, I what did you like about, what did you like about this? Um, you know, I liked a lot of individual moments and individual concepts about it. You know, I mean, yeah, I think the concepts are really good. Yeah. It's like, we've seen, uh, we've seen a death, a grim reaper who doesn't want to do their job and we've seen it lots of different ways, but that's, uh, that's a vein that's extremely rich, you know, that you can, especially if you set it in your own fantasy world, there's lots of stuff that you can do with that. I like, you know, I like the apocalypse babies. I like the Illuminati, the Illuminati club. I like the, um, you know, the, the fact that the center of the union is the white tower. It's cool. It's funny. It's, it's, it's like good, you know, there's lots of individual cool stuff to like in here. It's just it just comes at you really fast and you don't have a lot of time to process what any given thing is. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, lime carrot jello, right? You like limes, you like jello and you like carrots. 
but you don't like them all mixed together with grapes and um, um, uh, marshmallows or whipped cream mixed in. Maybe it's like that. Ashley, so you've been talking about why you like the book. Yeah. What is something that you don't like about this book besides maybe the the nonsense of it all? The fact that it makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> um, I have some issues with the female anatomy, mm. uh, but particularly the mouse sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have some issues. Uh, look, female anatomy can also be beautifully rendered and still be... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Exploitative and offensive. Mm -hmm. And there are several unnecessary, if this were anime, we'd call it a panty shot, but she's not wearing panties uh, shots of crow that are unnecessarily sexualizing a character who's basically naked to begin with. And for me, that can make it very hard um, to not immediately disconnect from the narrative that we are being served. And then there's always the, there's always going to be the reality as long as we are in a pandemic where it is really hard to fully enjoy an apocalypse story as we are living one. And that was, that was sort of, even though I was having a pretty good time with it, that was sort of the biggest disconnect for me in terms of the overall story. Because like I said, I knew it was going to make no sense from jump. So that didn't really bother me. Uh, But I was like, oh man, I don't need to read about the end of the world because the end of the world as I know it is happening now and I don't feel fine. You yeah. Know? And, that, and that's again, you know, when we plan these things, probably around this time last year is when I start programming all of, of the, the trades that we're going to read. It's like, oh, this movie will come out and here's a good trade that'll tie into this movie. And we need to do a European comic and that's going to tie into this. And then, you know, the world happens in the meantime and we end up with apocalypse times with, you know, uh, it's a good thing we're not reading uh, what's the uh, the contagion storyline. Uh, or uh, um, the other uh, events that spun out of uh, Gotham and Batman yeah, back in the yeah, day, because yeah, that would yeah, just be slip. that would just be totally a downer. So, yeah, no, much. I totally understand where you're coming from that. Certainly apocalypse, uh, apocalyptic tales like we've read over the last <laughs> six months um, yeah. uh, do kind of put a weird spin uh, on them because of because of the time period. It's like when you read an emotional thing and you're like, "Ooh, I didn't know I was going to be sad that this dog died, but here I am weeping." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what's what's bottom line, Rodrigo, on, on this on this volume for you? I I will tell our listeners that I looked, and East of West Volume Two does not appear on our shows for the rest of this year. Okay. Um, hmm. I would say get this from the library, put on Knights of Sidonia, and <laughs> just flip through each of the pages to the beat. Yeah. yeah, no one's gonna take you alive, dear listener, and they're they're probably not gonna get <laughs> death either. So, yeah, definitely do that. Um, accompanied with a sandwich if you would like. Yeah. But as far as going out and buying it, I wouldn't. Yeah, I can't really recommend this. I, and I want to talk to Scott about what is it that he likes. I have a feeling he's more into the art than maybe the story. Uh, and maybe he's more into the high concept than the nitty gritty like the rest of us want. Um, but I'm just going to have to say a big pass for me. Uh, it's not saying that the, you know, the whole is not good, but there are a lot of really good individual parts in this thing. But I just I just can't recommend it. Matthew, what about you? I feel like just minor, minor things might have. Like if, you know, when we look at the, the, the mysterious prophecy, if it wasn't literally Mao Zedong, 
writing down that prophecy. Oh, it's not just him. It's 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 a bunch of other people. It's three other people too. That right? That's why I, it's yeah, the Trinity. Yeah, but that's not what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's it's not literally. Saying, he's not saying give more time to Mao. He's saying right. it's that guy. <laughs> it's it's Mao Zedong saying this or writing this, and it's moments where I'm just like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take a breath, and I feel like. There's a lot to like here, and I can understand why Scott would enjoy this, and I can definitely understand people enjoying this, and I'm not going to shoot you down if you love it, because again, I This is I the lo- internet. Tell them they're wrong. <laughs> I don't tell people they're wrong unless they're wrong. Here's the thing. I love Hickman's run on Avengers. People are like, that was complete jibber-jabber nonsense, and I'm like, okay, well, that's like your opinion, man. I feel like that rug tied the room together. <laughs> And this room needed the rug, and it didn't get tied together. And I can't recommend it, but I also feel like if you listen to the fact that Scott loves it and that Ashley enjoyed it, and you're like, I'm going to go check this out, just, you know, have fun, do your thing. If you have a sandwich, just lay back and enjoy it. But don't expect coherence. Ashley, final thoughts from you this week. Yeah, I would say, uh, depending on where you live and what the laws are, the best way to enjoy this is to partake in your uh, mind-altering or relaxation substance of choice. Give it like an hour, have a bath, read it. If you don't want to pay for it, it is free on Hoopla, which is a fabulous app. Um I don't know if I would recommend people going out in a buying frenzy, but by counterpoint, if there is someone in your life who likes weird apocalypse stuff or Westerns, this might not be a horrible gift to give them. Mm, I I like literally have, I'm reading this and I'm like, this is this dude's jam. Like, oh yeah. Where I'm like, I know who would love this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Speaking of jam. I mean, speaking of Jonathan Hickman (laughs) next week, house of X. The best. The, the weird. Best. How weird is that? House of X next week, right here on the Major Spoilers podcast, and the return of everyone's favorite guest. Maybe for the next two episodes is what I have written down. But right. uh, House of X next week on the Major Spoilers podcast. But for now, that is where we are going to wrap things up. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we want to hear your feedback, so you make sure to use the comments section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to this and every episode. Or even better, send us an email to podcast at majorspoilers.com, especially if you like East of West. <laughs> yeah, and don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do, including the fact that Stephen has me say both patron and Patreon in the same sentence, and that's very <laughs> difficult, uh, at, at patreon.com slash spoilers. We will be back next week because we know that you love comics, and we do too, and we will talk with you soon. If I had the X-ray vision of a Superman, I could save a few bucks and stand around and read through the covers of the comics on the stand. But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose, I could still read the evens and the odds. Well, I don't know. Guess I haven't thought this all the way through. Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew, he kicked my butt out on the corner. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What 
I made you spoiler What I made you spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah What I made you spoiler What I made you spoiler If I'm stark raving rich like a man of iron Might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the heart cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Shot up in a fine be in the Middle East with a King Santo and soldier. What a major spoiler! What a major spoiler! Yeah, yeah, yeah! What a major spoiler! Wow, 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 wow! What a major spoiler! This podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment LLC.